0: the 11th message in this series from James, what to do when you're not feeling well. Now, what this is, is a message about divine healing, which is part of our doctrinal statement. We have four major doctrines. The doctrine of salvation by faith, the doctrine of divine healing through the atoning work of Christ, the doctrine of the baptism in the Holy Ghost, and the doctrine of the soon return of Jesus Christ. Those are the four major doctrines. So when we come to a message like this, it ought not to be thought unusual. A motorist en route 66 years ago outside Albuquerque perspired freely as he struggled to place a car jack under the rear axle of his car A passerby stopped to watch and rolled the window down finally and said, Changing a tire? No, replied the motorist. I just get out every hour and jack it up to give it a rest. (laughs) I like that. My wife does that to me all the time. She asks these questions like, When you sit down, are you going to eat? And we have a funny thing about that going, and I usually give some stupid answer about like that. But I thought it would uh, break the ice a little because this is not unusual for us to be on this subject. What we're doing is something normal and natural, opening the Word of God to find where we are and what we can depend upon. Now, after Wednesday night service this week, which was a wonderful time, early Thursday morning, I was going to the airport because I had been invited over a year ago to Winnipeg, Canada, to preach to a bunch of ministers from that district at the historic Calvary Temple in downtown Winnipeg. I got out to the airport before 6.30 in the morning. The flight was to be at 7.00. We were on the plane, ready to go, when the inevitable announcement, things aren't working right, we have a delay, it'll be only 10 minutes, and then it was 20 minutes, and then it was an hour, and I knew I would never make my connection in Minneapolis to Winnipeg. The flight was finally canceled, I went down and saw to see what I could do. And I had to wait five hours for a flight to Denver and then a flight to Minneapolis. And then in Minneapolis, the plane broke down again. And I sat four more hours in Minneapolis and arrived at my room in Winnipeg at 1.15 in the morning. I missed the evening service, which I was to preach. They just adjusted the schedule so that I would take the person's place Early morning, where he was supposed to speak, we just shifted, so I did get in my six slots. Yesterday, I was preaching in Winnipeg, Canada. It's a long ways from here. But I wanted to tell you that, to tell you it's first of all, not all, what you think it is. It's not all just excitement and fluff. There's a lot of pain to it. But I stood at Winnipeg behind a pulpit that F.B. Meyer preached from, and Dr. Buntane preached from, and Dr. Ward, A.G. Ward preached from, some of the great, old saints preach from that pulpit that I got to preach to hundreds of ministers and their wives from the last couple of days. And I felt the same anointing of God that I know they felt, and I saw the Holy Spirit come to touch leaders that I believe will affect their nation in the days ahead should Jesus tarry. And in part of my presentation yesterday, I said, I want you to go back and do what I'm going to do. Go back to your pulpit and preach the word. What the people need is the word. They don't need some newspaper report. They need the word. And in the word, There is the message of salvation from your sin. There is the message of healing from your sickness and your diseases. There is the message of power through the baptism in the Holy Spirit to witness and to live in this confused time. And there is the blessed hope, the imminent return of our Lord Jesus Christ if things haven't gone well for you this week, don't sweat it. All of this is true, and you are a winner through Jesus Christ. You're not a loser, you're a winner. Hallelujah. There was nothing more apparent in the ministry of Jesus than the concern he had for the sick and the needy. Everywhere he went, he healed the sick, and he raised the dead, and he said, they that are whole don't need a physician. It is they that are sick. And he conducted a three-year healing campaign. Now, if you don't believe that, just open your Bible to Matthew chapter 4. One of the great verses of the Gospels is found in Matthew 4, verse number 24. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments. And those who were demon possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. That is just an example of the heart of Jesus and what he did while he was among us physically. And what about today? Are we any less important than the people of Jesus' time? Does God love us less than he loved them? No. I am convinced that God wishes to heal the multitudes of every age. But the devil interferes. And we want to cut through what he does today and find in this blessed book the answer to maybe your dilemma and your need in this very hour. First of all, may we discuss God's plan of recovery, God's plan of recovery. The fall of man included all of man. When man fell, all of man fell. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean physically, I mean mentally and i mean spiritually all of man fell in the fall for example considering the physical aspects of the fall in genesis 2:17 there was a pronouncement of death upon man because of his sin of rebellion that is repeated in 2 Samuel 14, verse 14. Thou shalt surely die. That's a physical death. And families mourn and grieve because of physical death. Romans 5, 12 reads, Death spread to all men. Because all sinned. It's a part of the fall. There is also mental degradation in the fall. Genesis 6 5 speaks of the thoughts of his heart. Man's thoughts became degraded in the fall. He became mentally affected by sin. Psalm 5, verse 9 says, their inward part is destruction. All of man fell. So it is no wonder that people are sick, even unto death, and our mental institutions are jammed to the doors by the confusion of the mind. But there is also the spiritual aspects of the fall, separated from God. Psalm 51, 5, In sin my mother conceived me. That's why every child needs to be born again by the Spirit of God. Jeremiah sixteen twelve. Each one walks according to the imagination of his own evil heart. You don't have to teach a child to sin. It's inerrant. The imagination of his own evil heart will produce the deeds of his life unless confronted by the claims of Christ. Matthew 15, 19, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. John 3, 19, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. The fall of man included all of man. But salvation included all of man as well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Physically, I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee. Matthew eleven twenty eight. come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Physically, he is able to touch us and revive us and renew us. It's part of the economy of God. Hallelujah. Mentally, Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 7 and said, Timothy, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see, salvation affects every area of life when you let the blessed Savior in, physically, mentally. A psychiatrist came to a ministerial meeting that I was in on one occasion, and in that meeting he said to us, I have been dealing with a man for four years at $250 a month. It took me four years, he said, to get him to say one word. He said, gentlemen of the clergy, I had never encountered demonic power before. But I'm here to tell you, I believe in demonic power. What he was saying to us was that that man's mind was literally choked by the powers of the enemy and the effects of sin. And it took him four years to get him to say one word. You know what? Jesus Christ doesn't need four seconds. When you give yourself to Christ, the power of the blood of Jesus not only cleanses you from every sin, but that blood can set you free from every affliction, whether it be physical, whether it be mental, or whether it be spiritual. I have seen it time and time again. In the name of Jesus, freedom immediately come to the mind, to the spirit and to the body. I am the Lord that healeth thee. We now may commune with God spiritually as well. We have worked our way through Hebrews on Wednesday nights. In Hebrews 4, we learn that He was the great high priest who is touched with all of our infirmities and who lifts us to God regularly in intercessory prayer. Spiritually, all of man can be free. Hallelujah. I don't want to knock anything or anybody, but you don't need candles to know his presence. You don't need to wave incense to know his power. You don't need to crawl upstairs until your knees are bloody or down cement sidewalks in so-called holy places. He is nigh unto all that call upon his name. That is his heart. He went everywhere doing good, and he does too today. Secondly, let us look at the cause of sickness. There is much confusion about the cause of sickness. I do not have a lot of time to unfold this, but let me give you at least the high points of what we believe. First of all, sin causes sickness. Genesis 3, 14 and 15 brings a curse to man, and that curse included sickness. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, sickness is passed from one generation to another. We cannot get away from it. It's part of the curse that was pronounced upon this world, and it will be among us until the Savior returns to establish his kingdom when things will be, thank God, reversed. But not all sickness is due to sin. That's the second thing that you need to know. Job is an example Job did not sin, he was a righteous man, he eschewed evil, the old Bible says, it just means he hated it, and he was a godly man, even the devil noticed it, but he said to God, take the fence down, and we'll see how holy he is, and so God said, all right, but you can't kill him. But he afflicted him. It was not because of his sin. It was to show the devil that there was someone who believed and would conquer. Lazarus died from a sickness, not because of sin, but to portray to the people the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. He used it for his glory. Dorcas, in Acts 9.36, died, was raised back to life, but it says of her, she was full of good works and charitable deeds. Her sickness that led to death was not because of sin. The blind man in John 9, verses 1 through 3, the people said, who did sin, this man or his parents? And Jesus said, neither, but that the works of God might be manifest in him. And what about little infants? They're innocent. They do not get sick because of their sin. They get sick because sin is among us and the curse is among us and it's a part of this world. Thirdly, sometimes sickness comes by lack of care. Our bodies are the temples of the Holy Ghost, but we don't treat them that way. We don't diet right. We don't rest right, we don't devote right, we don't exercise right, and we wonder why we break down. If you were from the Northwest where I came from, you would recognize the name of Fred Hutchinson. Fred was a great athlete and a part of the Pacific Northwest scene. At 45 years of age, this renowned man died. I remember it. And they named a cancer clinic in Seattle after Fred Hutchinson. I thought it was unique because Fred's death was from lung cancer from years of smoking. The lung cancer finally worked its way into his chest. And at 45 years of age, this renowned citizen died, and they named a cancer clinic after him. I thought that was ironic, because they certainly, by that, were not suggesting his habits. I'm here to tell you that much sickness comes because of the way we live. Now, God is merciful, and God is gracious, and he overlooks our stupidity. Many times and says, in spite of you, I'm going to touch you. Now do it right. Do it right. So if you're doing it wrong, I only have a moment to tell you he loves you and his power is still available to you and he will touch you, but he wants you to do it right. Stop the nonsense. Stop destroying yourself physically by bad decisions and evil habits. Sometimes by lack of care, sickness comes. But also, and now we get down to the nitty-gritty, demonic oppression and sickness are also linked together throughout Scripture. You cannot get away from this. In Matthew 8, 28 through verse 33, two demon-possessed men came to Jesus. It is most interesting to see the symptoms in these passages of Scripture that Jesus dealt with. Matthew 8, if you will, look at it with me at verse 28. There met him two demon-possessed men, Here's the first sign, exceedingly fierce. Do we see that anywhere today? It's all around us. How could people do the things they do except that they were possessed by the devil himself who comes to destroy? Exceedingly fierce. No one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now how did the Lord deal with it? There was a herd of many swine feeding, so the demons begged him. See, the demons know who has the power. The demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, Permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And Jesus just said, go! You never saw such a flurry in all your life. They went into the herd of swine, and the whole herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perish. Now, friends, there's an insight into civilization today in that passage. You'll find it in Mark, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 6 as well. Only here, it says there was one man. He came out of the tombs. He was naked. He was bound with chains, although the chains could not hold him. They broke in pieces, verse 4. No one could tame him. He was like an animal. He was night and day in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus, he worshipped him. Mm. You see, there are times when people affected by demonic power have enough sense to recognize the presence of God and can actually worship him at the same time. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Jesus said, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. The Bible says a legion of demons came out of that man, and he was clothed and in his right mind. Matthew 9, verse 32 is another example. And as they went out, behold, they brought to him a man mute and demon-possessed. I want to point that out, just because somebody's mute does not mean they're demon-possessed. There is an and in here. This man had a double problem. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying, it was never seen like this in Israel. How possession is manifested today is through murder, masochism and many other diabolical, demonic acts of the flesh. Then there is oppression, along with possession. Acts 10:38: Jesus healed all that were oppressed of the devil. Now this is where I see the majority of problem today. Mental anguish, physical sickness, the oppression of the enemy, not possession, but oppression. You see there are four manifestations of the devil. One is temptation, all of us are tempted. You need to say no to it. There is oppression and none of us are immune. There is also, as we have pointed out, possession. But that cannot be a child of God because two forces cannot dwell in the same life at the same time. Righteousness cannot dwell with unrighteousness. Light cannot dwell with darkness. And there's also affliction. Where there comes to the human frame affliction brought about by the curse, by the fall of man. And since we cannot be controlled by two forces, there is, thank God, an answer to the cause of sickness. Let me move to that. Keys to healing. Jesus gave power to cast out demons, to heal sickness and diseases, to work miracles, God has given the authority through the name of Jesus in Mark 16, verses 17 and 18. He told his disciples to go out and cast out demons and lay hands on the sick and watch them recover and in essence do the same things that I have been doing. Now Mark 16, 17 and 18 is linked exactly with James 5, where we have read today. When James, under the anointing of the Spirit, tells us what to do when we have need in our lives. We, if we are afflicted, pray. If we are sick, we call for the elders of the church. I'll get to that a little more fully in my closing remarks. Jesus gave power to the church, to his followers. One key to healing. Second key is love and compassion. Not only the love and compassion we know Jesus has, but the love and compassion we ought to have for one another. Do you know that as you love like Jesus loved, and as you care like Jesus cared, you reach out to the afflicted, you reach out to the oppressed, and through that love and compassion, Jesus uses you to bring deliverance to the captive, just as he did. But you have to have love and compassion in order for it to happen. Thirdly, there must be discipline on the part of the seeker. 1 John 3, and whatever we ask we receive from Him because we keep His commandments. You've got to have the right motive because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Don't count on healing if your idea is to go use the healing blessing in unvirtuous behavior. Those that keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight, the discipline of the seeker comes into play. Fourthly, faith. Hebrews eleven six. 6, Without faith it is impossible. Just stop there. <laughs> it covers everything. Without faith it is impossible. You must believe. Matthew 9, 28. Do you believe that I am able to do this? According to your faith, Jesus said, let it be to you. He said that to those two blind men who came to him to receive their sight. Do you believe that I am able to do this? I like the atmosphere of faith that is created in the house of God in a meeting like this. That's why I wanted the prayer time at the end this morning. I want us to close with great victory and signs and sounds of deliverance because when Jesus went to Nazareth, He could not there do many mighty works because of their unbelief. But here there ought to be faith, the atmosphere of faith, the power of the corporate body. I think that's why the Scripture text says, call for the elders, plural, in the company of the committed. There is faith. I've got faith. Pastor Trimmer, do you have faith? Brother Younglin, do you have faith? Elders, deacons, do you have faith? Members, do you have faith? Visitors, do you have faith? There is in this place faith. God can do anything if we believe. Hallelujah. (laughs) Brings me to the last point. Don't get nervous. We're going to make it. Why we pray for the sick. One in obedience to Christ. John 14, 12. He that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also. We are violating the very essence of Scripture if we do not practice the same things Jesus practiced. The things that I do. You do. Lay hands on the sick. Mark 16. And they shall recover. It's a command. Lay hands on the sick. Tragedy in Christian circles today that there are no prayer meetings for healing and deliverance. That ministers do not know what the anointing oil is and what the prayer of faith is. Here we know what the anointing oil is and what the prayer of faith can do. Here we believe what Jesus said, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. We believe what James said is an order. Call for the elders. Lay hands on, anoint with oil, pray. I will raise them up. That's why we pray for the sick in obedience to Christ. We also do it because of God's evaluation of our bodies. First Corinthians 6:19 and 20 declares emphatically that our bodies are the dwelling places of the Holy Spirit. Now, friends, it's obvious you can glorify God more readily with a body free from pain, weakness, and disease. Right? And so we pray for the sick because God says these bodies are the dwelling places of the Holy Spirit and He's provided us His touch. Thirdly, we pray for the sick because of the price Jesus paid for our healing. With his stripes we are healed. 39 lashes ripped his body that we might be whole. Matthew 8:17 says he himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. He suffered that we might be well. We pray for the sick. Hear me, are you listening? God is no respecter of persons. There are no lucky people with God. Ooh, I like that. There are no lucky people with God. He loves us All the same. And he has the same blessings for all. When the simple conditions are met, God responds to faith. In Bible times, Jesus healed his thousands, Today, through the ministry of believers, he is healing tens of thousands. If the congregation this morning was asked to respond to how many have been healed, I believe the majority of you would raise your hand. At some point, the Lord healed you. He wants to do it today. There's an old song we sing. Reach out and touch the Lord as he walks by. You'll find he's not too busy to answer your cry. He's passing by this moment, your need to supply. Reach out and touch the Lord as he walks by. See, that's the picture of the Gospels. He moved about and wherever he moved, People reached out and touched him, and he reached out and touched them, and thousands were healed. It's been a long time since I mentioned it, but my wife was diagnosed early in our ministry with a non-functioning gallbladder. She had been so sick, her cheeks were sunken, her eyes were dark, And I was chief cook and bottle washer with two babies in diapers. This one and another one. And it was not fun. Little church could hardly pay a salary of any kind, no insurance. The doctor ordered her the next day to the hospital for surgery. It was a Wednesday. It was winter. I remember bundling up the two boys warmly while my wife was lying in bed, unable to get up, sick as she could be. I said, we're going to go to prayer meeting. I'll be back as soon as I can. The next morning, she was to go to the hospital for surgery. In Wisconsin, her mother went to a prayer meeting too. In those prayer meetings, we prayed, as we do all the time, for healing. I went home as quick as I could, ran up the stairs, and when I walked through the bedroom door, I could not believe my eyes, for my wife was seated on the edge of the bed with a comb in her hand, combing her hair and that coloring was gone from her eyes, and her cheeks had redness in them. And I said, what happened to you? She said, I don't know. But I was lying here in bed when suddenly I realized there was no pain. There was no more discomfort. And I decided to get up. The next morning I called that doctor and I said, Doctor, we're not coming to the hospital today. Our physician, by the name of Jesus, has undertaken. He sputtered a bit and he said, Well, when she gets sick again, we'll at least know what it is. I want you to know it has not occurred again. It has not occurred again. Let him pray, let him sing psalms, call for the elders, pray, anoint with oil, the Lord will raise him up, confess your trespasses one to another, the effective fervent prayer avails much, and pray again. That's the order. Have you got it? Let's stand.